The Mets sweep the fighting Phils. They ain't got no fight in them. The Phillies are now six games under 500. The Mets are three games over 500 and are within three and a half games of first place as the calendar has hit June. And Mark Canna loves the month of June. He loves the end of May. Two homers, six RBIs in the last two games. He helps lead the Mets to a sweep. And so does the starting pitching. Tremendous outings from Senga, from Cookie, from Mad Max, as the Mets start the homestand 3-0, as the Blue Jays come to City Field over the weekend. We recap the sweep over the Phillies. We'll look ahead to the series against the Blue Jays and some good pitching matchups ahead, and Mets Hall of Fame Day as we look to the guys getting honored on Saturday. And let's go back 11 years ago to a special day in Mets history. It's all coming up next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. And Canna drives one out to left field. Schwarber takes a look, and that ball is out of here. Mark Canna strikes again. A two-run homer to put the Mets in front, 3-2. to two. Again, the 0-2. Struck him out. Came upstairs to strike out Sosa. Nine strikeouts in seven terrific innings for Max Scherzer. And Ellis flies one to shallow center. Coming on is Nimmo, and the ball game is over. Max Scherzer, seven strong innings for the win. Another home run for Mark Canna, and the Mets sweep the three-game series from the Phillies, winning today 4-2. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Jake Brown. Those highlights you heard, courtesy of SNY, as the Mets continue owning the Philadelphia Phillies. They sweep the Phillies this week at City Field to start off the homestand with a bang. I was on WFAN Sunday night. I said a 5-1 homestand. I said, we'll sweep the Phillies and take two or three from the Jays. Well, so far, so good. As they go into a weekend against the Blue Jays, that'll include fireworks night, include Hall of Fame weekend, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. I want to start off the show a little bit differently than I usually do, and I'll get into all the positive because there's a lot of positive to get into, uh, but wanted to give a little tribute here to my buddy R.J. Ferrara, who passed away on Monday at 35 years old. R.J. was a buddy of mine in Astoria, always a ball and bundle of joy anytime you were out with him 
a big Mets fan. He listened to this podcast. He's the cousin of my good friend, Emily and David Goldberg, great people. And he was always the life of the party. Anytime you were out with him in Astoria, it was always a vibe with him. Anytime he would see me walk in, he'd say, oh, look, it's the famous Jake Brown. And he'd hype me up, usually jokingly, but was always, you know, a good friend and, and treated me well and always made me laugh no matter where we were. And anytime we were out, we had a good time, whether it was out at a Met game, out at the Diddy in Astoria, out at Trestle in Astoria. And always check in on your loved one, folks, because he was just 35 years old. And, you know, I had a friend who said to me, oh, I just saw him at fr on Friday and he was fine laughing. Everything was good. And that's how it was with him. It was all good when you, you were out with him. But you don't know the demons that people battle uh, when it comes to mental health. And mental health is extremely important and something that should be taken seriously. He was dealing with mental health problems. And, you know, Monday we lost him. Always check in. No matter how positive someone might be out, they might be hiding what's actually going on within. And 35 years old is, you know, I'm 32. That's three years from me from now. I know he would want us to not talk about this and talk about the Mets sweep and the good vibes. And, you know, I hope they win the World Series now for him. I hope this is the year for RJ. They win a World Series. So I just wanted to give a tribute to RJ for Argon at 35 years old. May he rest in peace. I send my condolences to him and his family, to David, to Emily, to his girlfriend, Milena, and, you know, their whole family. Because, you know, he was always fun at Met games. I loved being at games with him, seeing him at games and seeing him out around the town as today is my nine years anniversary in Astoria. And he was a big Astoria guy and a big, a good representation of Astoria and the good people that we have here. So rest in peace to RJ for our great man and a great Mets fan. I'll do a couple seconds here, moment of silence for RJ. All right. A good week for the Mets. And this is what the doctor ordered was this. It was good starting pitching for this team. And that's something they haven't got in a long time. And they got it all three days against the Phillies. It started on Tuesday with Sanga. Absolutely brilliant. Looking like the Sanga that you gave that $75 million contract to five years. You said, this is the guy you want every time out there. One hit, seven innings, nine strikeouts. The Phillies could not handle the ghost fork ball. The put out pitch was absolutely electric. They got just enough offensively with a Lindor Homer and Escobar RBI single. And that's a two nothing win on Tuesday. And then Wednesday comes around Carlos Carrasco, who, you know, before the injury, right after the injury has been struggling. He is really starting to deal now. And he is looking like the cookie we saw last year. He got through the first inning without giving up any runs. I mean, that's been the thing with him. His bugaboo has been that first inning. And, you know, before you even get in your seat, the Mets are losing. Well, he didn't. He had a scoreless first on Wednesday. And this is the cookie you love to see. You know, he doesn't have dominant stuff. Guys will make contact against him. He's not going to strike out a ton. He only struck out four, but six innings, one run, six hits, four Ks, one walk. And that's back to back tremendous outings from Carlos Carrasco. He did it against the Cubs, six and two thirds with one run. And now he goes six innings and one run. And that's what you want to see here from your four starter, because your fifth starter is on his way in a few weeks as Jose Quintana will throw a live BP on Monday and then rehab shortly thereafter. He'll be back in a few weeks. So you won't have Tyler McGill for too much longer. And if you get this out of your four starter after what you got 
from Sanga. And after what you got today on Thursday, June 1st, at the start of the month from Max Scherzer, who has really hit a groove, you're in good position. And Max Scherzer was filthy after the first inning today. And Max Scherzer, don't look now. Don't look back now, but Max Scherzer's last four starts have been absolutely dominant. Remember, he got rocked in Detroit. And that series in Detroit where we were you know, at rock bottom with this team, that was the last bad Max Scherzer we've seen. After that, Nationals, five innings, one run. After that, Cleveland, six innings, no runs. After that, Colorado, seven innings, one run. And then today, seven innings, two runs, one earned with nine strikeouts. He had eight last time against the Rockies, nine today. And this is the $43 million Max Scherzer you signed up for. And all of a sudden, his numbers look good. He's 5-2 and two with a 3-2 ERA and nine starts. So amidst the injuries, the back, the neck, my back, my neck, my pussy, yeah, my crack, you know the song, how it goes. Well, Max Scherzer's had it all from top to bottom with the injuries. And now he is dealing. It's electric to watch him again. I mean, that curveball, when he drops it, from 95 on the cheese to a 73-mile-hour curveball. How's the guy going to hit that against the Hall of Famer, Max Scherzer, against a guy with 206 career wins? I mean, it's really just hard to hit, and you just absolutely love to see him healthy and dealing, and the Mets' recipe to success is not seeing Steven Nagasuk and Brigham. We saw Brigham Thursday. He was fine. But the recipe to success was six to seven innings from every starter, and that's what happened against the lowly Phillies. And the Phillies stink, by the way. The Mets continue dominating the Phillies. And it's crazy to think that this team made the World Series last year. And listen, they could turn it around like they did last year. But my God, they uh, they look like a beleaguered bunch. Plenty of time left. They probably will turn it around. But they're 25 and 31 and eight games out. Meanwhile, your New York Mets are 30 and 27. Don't look back now. They are three and a half games back behind the Braves, who just lost to the future Las Vegas Athletics, unless they change their name. Three and a half back behind the Braves who lost two out of three to the A's. How about that? The Mets are right back in the thick of the divisional race thanks to starting pitching. 17 innings, three runs, and three games. They only had to see seven innings from the bullpen. I didn't love the decision to go to Drew Smith for the final out, but it worked. One pitch, they got him. So I'm not going to complain about it because it worked. But if Drew Smith were to give up a home run there, people would be calling for Buck's head which they already are for starting Daniel Vogel back again. So Buck, you know, he hasn't pushed all the right buttons, but this week the winning buttons after, you know, a frustrating series against the Rockies, they turn it right back around, but you got to keep it rolling here. This was good. This was grand to start the month of June that features a schedule that has 19 games ahead against teams over 500. It's going to get tough. And you got to crack down and get ready to go. And it starts with the Blue Jays, who have the same record as you this weekend at 30 and 27. It will not be an easy month. This is the month that can make or break the Mets. This was great, but you're better than the Phillies. You were expected to win this series, and a sweep was groovy. I actually thought they were going to sweep coming in. I did think they were going to make a roster move. I did say in the fan, I really thought Mauricio would be happening. Maybe it happens before Friday. We'll see. I don't know how much time they're giving Bogle back here. It's just frustrating to see him come up. Of course, he walks twice on Wednesday. So like I said last time, you know, it'll be six weeks of Ogleback, like Groundhog Day, because he got on base a few times. But I mean, that's the negative here. The positive is that this team got the starting pitching they needed. And it's got to continue Friday because Justin Verlander, for every good start, has been a bad start for him. You know, he's been up and down so far. His first two starts good, 
Then he gets rocked versus the Rays. Then he's great versus Cleveland. Then he gets rocked in Colorado. You know, that cold weather is behind the Mets now. Now you're seeing the weather warm up. And this is what I always like to say. I Like when the, when the calendar hits June, the weather warms up. I know you don't like to use weather as an excuse, but you start to see teams get more comfortable. You start to see balls fly out of the ballpark. And you saw that from Marcana. I mean, how about Marcana? Go ahead, two-run homer Thursday. He drives in all four runs with a homer and a two-run single on Wednesday. And it's Mark Canna month. Everyone say PMC, Pride Month Canna. You saw what he wore uh, to the ballpark on Thursday at the start of Pride Month here in June. And Mark Canna is a big supporter of Pride Month. And I love it. And you got to love what he did out there and what he is doing for the Mets. Because this looks like the Mark Canna that started the year scorching hot for the Mets last year. And he got off to a slow, sluggish, you know, first six weeks. But Canna's bat's starting to come around, and the Mets are in a lot better position if he starts to hit because then he becomes basically your almost everyday left fielder. You know, his average now up to 245. He's got 16 RBIs, and he's got the same amount of homers as Daniel Vogelback. And if Canna continues to succeed, that makes the decisions even easier, in my opinion, to play Vogelback less because then you have Canna in left, and then you have McNeil when he could play left field. And that should be pretty much it for left field. And then that clears up the DH. So you're in a good position here. So tremendous from Canada. The Mets beat Tywin Walker, only went four innings. Former Met, another former Met comes to town on Friday. And Chris Bassett, he's going to be pumped up. You know Chris Bassett is going to be jacked up on Friday going up against Justin Verlander. That's a good pitching matchup. Bassett's been solid, 380 array, similar numbers to what he did for the Mets. And there will be fireworks during the game and after. I'm not happy I'm missing this weekend's games. That is. I'm missing Hall of Fame Day, which we'll get into in a bit. And I'm missing those Pete Alonzo sunglasses on Sunday as I fly to Charlotte here in a few hours for a good friend's wedding in Myrtle Beach, where I'm a groomsman on Saturday, Murrits Inland. So that should be fun. Um, and for the first time in the history of the Amazing But True podcast, I will not be on Monday's show. There's people right now listening to this celebrating. They're throwing a parade that I will not be on the show. They get Nelson Figueroa. They get Andrew Hartz. And they will get a guest co-host to be determined. Maybe it's Moose. Maybe his Picks 11 partner, Mark Malusis. So stay tuned. I'll tweet out from the beach. You know, when Figgy tells me who his co-host is, I'll tweet out who he'll, he'll be doing it with. Yes, it'll be Figgy and a guest for Monday. And then Figgy for a guest the following Monday. Happened to be two straight weekends for me. I'm in Miami for my brother's bachelor party the following weekend. So the next two Monday episodes that drop, It'll be Nelson, Figueroa, no Jake Brown. So stay tuned for those. I'm sure he'll get someone good. Knowing Figgy, he'll get Carlos Beltran, the one episode I'm not on, because he wants to torture me. He will get an A-list guest on the only episode that I am not on, because that is what Figgy does. He likes to torture his partner. But there won't be torture on Wednesday. So I'll be back for Wednesday's episode, because Wednesday night, in two weeks, I should say, next week it's a Brave series, so we'll... Thursday night, we'll drop that Friday morning. But the weekend after, that'll be the next games I'm at. Subway Series, Wednesday, June 14th. After the game, Ebbs Brewing Co., right next to the right field gate. Live, amazing, but true podcast. In that little room, once you enter, there's a little room on the left side. Fits about 20, 25 people. We'll open the door, hopefully have some people out. We should have a speaker set up so you can hear the podcast. And uh, come on out for a live podcast presented by Tri-State Cadillac on that Wednesday after game two of that short, which I hate, two-game Subway series. 
Wednesday night. We'll probably start around 10 p.m. We'll see with these games. They've been going under three hours pretty sure. And listen, they've been getting good, good crowds. They got a great crowd on Wednesday, but it might have been the biggest crowd on a Wednesday in the history of City Field besides Subway Series for this Howie Rose bobblehead. Now with Zoom, it says put in the books, but Zoom is weird and doesn't you're not going to hear that, but it's basically how he's saying put in the books when you press this button. You got the books, and it has like a little pen. You got to be careful because it might rip off, but you see there's a little pen right there, and uh, I delivered the churro nachos to Howie and Keith. Howie, I don't think, had any, but Keith Rad loved them. Shout out to Fresco's Grand Cantina for those. Hearts, you did not have them this week. You you thought they were in the Coke Corner. You misread my uh, tweet. They were in center field. I am pissed because they've been in Astoria and I walk past the place when I take the 30th Ave train. It's right under the train. Fresco's Grand Cantina, churro nachos, delicious quesadillas, which I had back-to-back nights at the games Tuesday and Wednesday. But the churro nachos is basically cinnamon toast crunch on crack. It's I have the materials here, Hearts, but it is a game-changing item that you need to get uh, one of the great additions. The problem is it's only open till July 2nd for now. So if it does well and you guys and listeners get it, they might extend it for the season. It's warm corn tortilla chips tossed in cinnamon sugar topped with Dolce de Leche. De Leche. De Leche. Yeah, that's the uh, Andrew Hart Spanish Academy. Vanilla sauce, powdered sugar, and whipped cream. Howie tweeted me thinking no sour cream. I said, no, it is whipped cream, not sour cream. So hearts, you'll need to try out the churro nachos. 10 out of 10. I mean, I was trying to get them last night. I thought it was on the the Pepsi or the uh, Coke corner, but it wasn't. And for someone who's the king of Astoria and you didn't know that this was in your own hood, that's actually kind of a mark on you in that sense. But no, I didn't get those, but I did get the put it in the hot or put it on the hot dog. Uh, what what is that? Now, so that was available at a few stands. That was at in field level. It was in the promenade. And it was, let me tell you what, we'll talk about a game changer. But unfortunately, it's only around for... I think it's the end of the homestand. It's it was a Sabrett's or either Sabrett's or Nathan's hot dog on a sweet potato bun with a it was it was like an apple um sauerkraut, some some sort of sauerkraut, stone ground mustard, and pieces of pastrami on top. It was just phenomenal. It was well worth the twelve dollars. If it was a little cheaper, I probably would have had another one, but it was in honor of Howie Rose being inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame. And um if I couldn't get the the churro uh, quesadillas, get, getting the hot dog was definitely well worth it. Churro nachos and quesadillas. Nachos, nachos. But see, to me, that sounds disgusting. The only good part of that sounds like the hot dog itself and the pastrami. Like if you give me a hot dog with pastrami on it, that's basically my middle name. So I would do that. But the sour, I hate mustard. I hate sauerkraut. Sweet potato doesn't do it for me. I'm not a sweet potato guy. Yeah, I don't hate it. But it's not it's not something I mean, this is delicious. Like it's just not my cup of tea. So you're not a sweet potato roll guy at all? I'll get the the Martin's potato rolls, but not yeah. sweet but not sweet potato rolls. That's different. Why can't I say rolls? I don't know what rolls. They're a little sweeter, but you know, it's 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 one of those words like it, it's not like white bread, but you're kind of just eating, you know, it's it, it was really good. It was a damn good dog. I hope that they would keep that around a little bit longer, not just for the uh, howie days, but well, that doesn't compare to the churro not, but that does sound interesting. Maybe, maybe I'll try it without the mustard. Instead. Just be like, hey, put pastrami. On a- See, I'm the person that people hate. Well, you can end the line there, but I'm the person that people hate because I'm a ketchup hot dog guy. Like I'm ketchup. I-, I don't get why people frown on that. It's a condiment. 
Like, what's wrong with putting ketchup on a hot dog? I don't understand why that's like, I'll eat it plain too. Like, I have no problem with a hot dog with nothing, but I'm a ketchup. Just never really was a mustard fan. I do pastrami without mustard. I re- so. No, come on. Now, now you're just talking ludicrous here. No, no. See, I would much rather have a hot dog with nothing on it than have it with ketchup. But no, I mean, the, the true New York staple hot dog, it's, it's a hot dog with sauerkraut and mustard. That's why you're weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I am weird, but uh, uh, it just never did it for me. So those are your items at City Field for the uh, homestand. So I highly recommend if you're listening. And listen, once I found out, I didn't know they were a story because the sign just says Taste of Queen. So you want to know the location because everyone was asking me and I said in CF, people don't realize CF is center field. Like, unless you're stupid, you know, it's center field. Next to the wiffle ball field, next to I believe it's Patsy's, right? Pizzeria. Yeah, Patsy's. Out there, Patsy's yeah. It's literally right next to Patsy's. Look for the wiffle ball field to stand to the right of it and keep them in business because we need them for the rest of the year. We need them next year. It is a tremendous dessert. There's people are like, ah, oh, it's too sweet for me. It's basically like cinnamon twist with toppings and, and in nacho form. So if you like nachos and you like cinnamon, you'll like it. So definitely get that as a treat. Now, how crispy do the chips, I guess, the pseudo chips stay because like that's that's always my thing with nachos where like you, you know you put too much cheese sauce or too much sour cream or too much guac i mean there's no such thing as too much guac we put too much of that stuff on there and then the chips get soggy and then towards the end you're just kind of like it's all mush like are the chips in this dish for instance staying you know solid throughout the whole thing no they're solid yeah they don't overdo it with the toppings it's enough and you still get you know i like the chips on the side that have the extra cinnamon without even the toppings because if it's just a cinnamon chip, I've been eating these popcorners, cinnamon things, and they're great. I'm like addicted to popcorners. And I see one Super Bowl commercial and I'm in love. I mean, it's amazing. They pay millions for those commercials. I never heard of them. And now those and the cheddar ones I love. But yeah, this is amazing but true. The food podcast here with Jake Brown, Andrew Hartz. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Andrew Hartz at Amazing But True. Next episode with Figgy and a special guest and Hartz on Monday after the series against the Blue Jays. Then another episode after the Big Brave series in Atlanta. I'll be on that one with a guest. And then Figgy again solo the following Monday and then the live podcast after that. So that's your programming notes. But uh, we're in good spirits here because there's good things here when the Mets pitch well. And that's going to get some help with the guy behind the plate too because Omar Navais looks like he'll be back for the Subway Series on Tuesday. So they get him back for those big sellouts next week. And Jose Quintana is on the mend here. He's going to start throwing. Then he'll start a couple of rehabs. And then he'll be back by the end of the June, end of June. And the Mets rotation could stay healthy. And you got Scherzer pitching the way he is. You got Sanga pitching the way he is. You got Cookie pitching the way he is. We ha- we got to see consistent Verlander. We got to see him pitch well for back-to-back and three starts in a row to get him worth his $43 million. And then a couple more McGill. And then you will get Quintana back. Now, the question mark that continues to surround the Mets that we tweet about, we boo him when he goes up there. I'm not a big booer, but fans will boo him off the field. Is Daniel Vogelback. There's no reason he should be out there. And I get he walks, but when you just dissect his numbers, the guy has as many home runs as Mark Canna did in two days. He's got two homers, 13 RBIs. He has six extra base hits all year. 17 singles, two homers, four doubles. Obviously, zero triples. Not even in Colorado is Vogelfat as uh, Frank the Tank, who is a couple rows behind me on Wednesday, and I didn't realize till I was leaving. That guy is a celebrity. Everyone was taking pictures with Frank the Tank on Wednesday night or videos of him walking up the stairs. He is just the content king over there. But the guy's not driving anyone. He had a couple opportunities again with guys on Thursday. Did nothing. 
And then Mark Vientos had one at bat, did more than Vogelback's done in a month. He had a huge sack fly, two strike, perfect approach, right to center field, insurance run. Bang, bada bing, bada boom. Productive out, at least, for Vientos. And he's really getting the short end of the stick here. And it started with them calling him up and now playing him when he had a hot bat, got cold, and he needs the opportunities. He got his three starts in a row and then two off. I don't care if a righty's pitching. He just can't be in the lineup. He really shouldn't be on the roster. You're wasting Ronnie Mauricio, who continues to tear up AAA. Like, you want to put the best 25 men on that field, 26 guys on that field. And with Vogelback on this team, you're not. He gives you nothing. He gives you two at-bats as a DH against a righty that are either a strikeout or a walk or a pop-out. Like, he popped one out. Like, he made contact and it was a big deal. He leaves too many pitches down the plate. And BP, the guy probably slugs it. But during the game, he does nothing. Hearts, it's frustrating to continue to watch the ineptitude. You know, the joke is maybe he's got pictures of Buck or something like that. Why is he on the roster? Or Epler wants to salvage the trade that he got wrong, where he was 0 for 2 with that trade and the rough trade for J.D. Davis and those prospects. The experiment has to end. The Mets are winning here this week, but if you want to put the best team out there, you get Mauricio up here, you get Nagaseka off this roster, and you get two bodies that are going to help you and not hurt you. Look, here's my bold prediction when it comes to Vogelback. He's not going to be on this team August 1st, if he makes it to August 1st. I think at this point right now, the Mets are just trying to showcase something so that they don't have to DFA him when they eventually call it a day, where if they're able to trade him, even even if it's for your favorite uh, former Will Ponce player, good old cash considerations, I think that's all they're trying to do. They're trying to show that he can be a serviceable ball player to some club somewhere. There will be some club that, that does value a guy who can take pitches and and work counts and whatnot. Again, you saw it last night where he was able, I mean, he took eight straight Aaron Nola balls, eight straight balls. Aaron Nola did not want to throw him a strike. He wanted nothing to do with him for some reason. I don't know why Aaron Nola must've missed that scouting report or something, but eight straight balls. And, you know, look, if that's the best thing he can do right now, and he's giving you a productive at bat, getting on base for a guy like Mark Cannon to drive him in, you take that every time. But, this is not a DH on a team that is gunning for a World Series this year. So that's why I think it's like you said, they're trying to salvage. Billy Epler is trying to salvage what this trade was. He's trying to get something out of him, but he's obviously clearly not a long-term deal here. I think that it's just, it's, it's a matter of time until they kind of get to their wits end, but you're trying to grind out whatever you can from the Daniel Vogelback train. Cause again, you're not gonna bring up a guy like, Mark Vientos, and he's kind of pushing the matters now again after, you know, having a great at bat today, um, showing he can hit major league pitching. He just needs the reps and needs the at bats and a guy like Ronnie Mauricio, you're going to bring him up. Someone else has to go too. it's going to happen. Just kind of deal with it. And again, the Mets are at least winning these games. That's the good part. If the Mets, the Mets lost and got swept by the Phillies because Daniel Vogelback was in there. I would be even more irate if I were you, but guess what? They won. Let them just keep plugging away, but I guarantee you he's not going to be a long-term fit here for much longer. Trust me. Churro nachos are more valuable than Daniel Vogelback. Put a churro nacho at the plate. I mean, I'd you know, if you, if you said to me, the churro nacho stand is gone. <laughs> the churro nacho disappears quicker than Daniel Vogelback. There's a problem there. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> That's what I'm going to put the timeline at. If churro nacho stand is supposed to expire July 2nd, I'm, I was texting with the owner after. They were very happy. I was posting it. I went up to Keith Rad. He did a try. Colin Cassell, friend of the program. 
uh, tried them both, loved them. Colin, a former Astoria resident, so he was pissed like me that he didn't know about this place. So I'm going to have to stop in when I go to the train and, and check it out, the actual restaurant. But I'm putting that as the expiration. July 2nd, who makes it further? Churro Nachos or Daniel Vogelback? I say Vogelback is gone sometime this month. I should. I thought it would be Tuesday. Maybe it's tomorrow. We keep thinking it's going to happen. It's got to happen at some point this month. We'll see if it happens this weekend. Friday, Verlander versus Bassett. Fireworks night. Saturday, McGill versus Berrios. Mets Hall of Fame day. Sunday, it'll be Kikuchi versus potentially Senga. And this is important here because Senga is not gone on normal four-day rest yet. He has to. The Mets can't afford him. There's not enough off days spread out. There's not enough, you know, other starters to fill in. He's got to start going on normal rest like these other guys. I know he's not used to it, but the Mets got to see. Like, they're saying they're advising to see if it's okay with him. That's a problem. You have him for five years. You, I, I get it's still early on in his career, and, you know, it's early in the season, but I want to see this guy in normal rest. So I hope he starts Sunday. And then we get the Japanese sensation matchup, Sanga versus Kikuchi on Sunday afternoon at City Field. So I really hope he could start pitching on normal rest because I'm not saying they're babying him. I, I get what they're doing. He's not used to it. This is how he pitched in Japan with five days. But the Mets just don't have the depth and they can't really just you know cater to his needs every five days. He's got to be able to pitch normally. So Saturday's the big one, and we're excited for this. Hall of Fame day, it'll be, and I'm really, really not happy that I'm missing this. You know I hate missing Mets games, but Gary Cohen and Howie Rose, two huge parts of not just my life now, but my childhood, the voices of my childhood. Gary Cohen joining the Mets broadcast team before I was born in 1989, started at the launch of SNY in 2006, and he said on the show that he was the third choice. And it blows my mind when you think, and listen, Dave O'Brien's good. Ted Robinson's fine. But Gary Cohen being the third choice behind those two, when he's one of the most iconic voices in the history of the sport, is amazing to me. So thank God Dave O'Brien didn't work out. And thank God Ted Robinson had a call like tennis matches because that was the thing. They wanted a full-time guy. And if Ted Robinson was the call, like – Part of what's made making Mets losses and losing seasons easier is listening to Gary Cohen call the game. I think Keith and Ron's commentary is good. Keith for the humor, Ron for the analysis. Like, it's been a trio that works. GKR is an iconic trio, but my God, if it was TKR and it was like Ted, Keith, and Ron or or D, DKR and Dave, Keith, and Ron, it would not have the same ring to it. And Howie Rose, man, you know, if you've listened to the show, you know the story he asked my future mom in 1983 out a day at a car dealership called her three weeks later, but she had started talking to the guy that would be my dad. So there's always a kinship with me and Howie Rose as, you know, could have been my father or I wouldn't have been alive if he had made that call a few weeks early. I mean, that's a book. That's a, that's an episode of a, a TV show in itself. Either Jake Rose or not alive. So Howie, I love him for that, but I also love just his passion for the game. A nice guy. I brought him a Shake Shack a few weeks ago when we went to a game. So you're welcome for Shake Shack, Howie. Um, and uh, I wish he tried the churro nachos. I really wanted Howie Rose to have churro nachos on his bobblehead night after. You know, it would have been a good dessert after he threw that just god-awful first pitch in the dirt. I mean, that was 50 Cent Junior. I mean, that thing... Did it go to the backstop hearts? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... wasn't uh, no. 
because like like Keith called him out on it too, and it's like yeah, you know how he how he's a baseball historian kind of guy. Like you don't want him, you know, don't don't rag on him. It's 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 give him credit though. He went from base of the mound or like towards the base of the mound. You know, he could have gone halfway, like you know, other people do it. But I didn't realize he was a lefty either. So he is the, the little lefty, and I guess he'll say it was a curveball that just went. It was a twelve six curve that went awry. But uh, eventually, I want to throw the first pitch, and like I would nail it like i feel like it's not that hard i feel like i'd be able to do it i say that now watch i'll do it and i'll do the same thing as howie or like i'll hit the photographer behind i just don't think it's but howie's older and listen he's howie so i'm not gonna rip him for that but i did not expect that thing to go awry but both well deserved and i'll have to watch back the video but i know if i was there i'd probably be a little emotional a couple tears being shed seeing those two go in and now lighter you know i grew up watching was so fun to watch on the 2000 Mets team, on the 99 team. Obviously, what he did against the Reds. Uh, he pitched in two World Series games and was great in 2000. Al Leiter was a key part of my childhood and, and those you know Mets teams that got me into the organization. 99 playoffs is when I got in the Mets eight years old. In the 2000, I was all in. As the first year as a, as a Mets fan, and Al Leiter made it, made it memorable. And Howard Johnson, two all-star appearances, Silver Slugger. Sorry, I had a filling in one of my teeth today, so that's why my mouth is still a little numb. So I'm struggling. The fact that I've gotten through this whole thing and sound pretty decent is good because it is a little painful right now. But Howard Johnson was a, had an underrated career and a really good run for the Mets in the 80s into the 90s. And, of course, part of the 1986 World Series champion Mets you know, before my time, but Hojo, you know, probably deserved this honor years ago. But Hojo, Gary, uh, Howie, Leiter, and Jay Horowitz, longtime SPR guy, you know, all well-deserving. Now, Jay, I don't think is getting inducted, but he's being honored. It's a little bit confusing. He's not really going in, but maybe one day he will. But they will honor him. And uh, Gary and Howie's speeches are going to be great. And, you know, Gary told the show as well, the two years he worked with Howie Rose on the radio were the two best years of his life. Like he said, those two years, he at least said in his career, those were the most fun years he ever had. And I really would love, you know, I love Keith and Ron, but either Saturday or at some point this season, have Gary and Howie call a game on SNY. Mets fans' hearts would absolutely love that. And I think it'd be a cool trip down memory lane. Saturday would really be the perfect time for it. They both talk about their memories, Hall of Fame game. But at some point, you know, someone fill in. They got McCarthy with Keith Rad doing on the radio. Give Keith and Ron the night off and just give us on TV Howie and Gary. I'm shocked it doesn't happen because that would be a must listen, must watch broadcast for Mets fans. I mean, honestly, it's funny because you go down the list of the four people that are being inducted, including Jay as well, to being the fifth. And those are just quintessential Met people. You know what I'm saying? Like Gary Cohen. I mean, obviously, Howie Rose has the history with the Rangers, Matomato, that that uh, one of the most famous calls of all time. Gary Cohen does basketball as well. Um, Al played for the Yankees, the Marlins. Hojo played around as well, too. But when you say any four those names to anybody, those are just Met people. And it's it's appropriate that th- this is a class going together, just true Mets. Honestly, I would love to hear Howie and Gary call, you know, even if you do like three innings or whatnot, you know, just just do if you do like three on TV and then maybe three in the booth, go kind of back and forth in that sense, just to kind of pay homage to Bolt's uh, time together. Um, and and I mean, Keith and, and Ron are always very good with stepping out and, and, and letting, you know, a moment happen. And I feel like that would just be 
such a special moment. But my question, though, and I'm not sure if you know this or not or if it's come out at all, but who is going to be the on-field MC? Because I feel like whenever they do these kind of ceremonies, isn't Howie usually the guy that's like emceeing it all? So he's not going to emcee his own ceremony. So have plans gotten out? Have, have they announced? No, that's, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. It might be our guy, Colin Cosell, as the PA voice. He, you know, he's got the voice to do it. He's not necessarily the name like a Howie would be to be MC, but I don't know who's going to do that. Maybe McCarthy or Keith, may, maybe Keith Rad does it. And, you know, McCarthy's in the radio booth and Keith does it. I don't know. We'll see. I guess it'll be a surprise. Something I won't see in person because I'll be at a wedding. What's with the, you know, I'm a groom's and got to get there three hours early for pictures. I mean, how many pictures do you got to take that you got to be at the, and it's going to be hot. I mean, Myrtle Beach, I was looking at the weather. It's going to be 80 and 80 by the beach. I mean, it's even hotter. I hate to complain about going to Myrtle Beach in a wedding, but like, I don't know. <laughs> no. It just means the dance floor is going to be hot and steamy once you guys get there eventually. But it's all the, the pre-show activities that are always uh, the most fun. But if you're a groomsman, usually you guys can sneak a few beers in there and, uh, you know, have yourself a good time while the other stuff's going on. Controversial take. I don't love day drinking because I get too tired by night and I can't make it through. So I, I'll have to get light. I'll probably do liquor Saturday, I would imagine. Because when if I do beer, you know, beer before liquor, you're only getting sicker. So uh, it's going to be a long weekend. And then Miami weekend. I mean, I we'll see if I get through these next two weeks. It is going to be, and it, and it happens to be two finals games next weekend: Florida Panthers and Miami Heat. I already even mentioned my mom. I was like, wow, mom, two finals games. She's like, well, you're going to miss them, Jake. I'm like, well, <laughs> if I would get disowned. What about that? Like if I were to say I have a connect and I might for free finals tickets, it'll be game four for the heat will be Friday, Saturday, pants. I'll probably I'd, Friday. We get there Friday. Say I get a free ticket to game four of the finals and say it is three, nothing. And that game, whether it's heat or nuggets, it'll probably be three or nuggets. If anything, that is for a championship. And I get free tickets. Is it frowned upon to leave my brother's bachelor shenanigans for three hours to experience the game and then meet up with them after it is my brother. So it is a blood relative. It's not like a friend's bachelor party for free NBA finals tickets. Would you frown? I know my family would disown me, but you hearts, what do you think? Is that something to be frowned upon? Uh, that's that's tough. That's a family member. Unfortunately. Now the, the uh, can you get your brother in with you? If you had to connect? No, no. no, he doesn't want to go either. Yeah, he's not a big sports guy, so he has no interest. Even though he appears in a commercial with uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Well, they paid him for it. So. Yeah, exactly. Not that he hates sports, but like he has all the plans, the jet skiing, the dinner, the club, whatever it is. So he, they, he already lays everything out where like the seven, the 8 to 11 window is not laid out for heat nuggets. It's laid out for whatever, dinner and drinks. I mean, you may be able to escape for a little bit, but I mean, if it's if it's a championship, possibly championship winning game, man, that's tough to pass up. But is it? See, I don't know your brother. Though. Is is he, is he one of those guys where he'll constantly bring it up? Be like, oh yeah, bachelor party was great, but uh, Jake just had to leave, and you're gonna hear about this for the rest of your life. Well, he'll tell my parents, and my mom will be absolutely furious. And knowing her, she'll be. This is your brother's time. This is your family time. Family comes first before your stupid sports. You're not even a fan of the Heat. You're a Knicks fan. Why are you going? You rarely see your brother. Your brother's key. You have to be at every event that he has, even if you get courtside seats for free. Now, if it's courtside, I don't even know that, 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 that you have to take one million percent. No, if, if you're getting free courtside, I'm sorry. That's like, bro, sorry. It might be a suite if it's a suite, too. I 
You know, I love my sweets, I know including my churro nacho sweets as well. Um, so, all right, well, well, I'll catch you guys up. If you see me at the Heat game, just know I might not be a member of the Brown family when the game ends. It could be over. But uh, we will close the show next of Amazing But True with a special anniversary today from uh, – got to do the math here. Nine years ago, I moved to a story. It's not that anniversary. But there's another anniversary of June 1st, and it was how many years ago now? 11 years ago. It's been a long week, and we'll close out with that next on Amazing But True. Oh, we're going to talk about Howie's first pitch. All right, that will seal up episode 150. So after 150 episodes, you finally don't have me for one. So episode 151 will be Brownless in Seattle, and it'll be Vogelbackless in Seattle for the All-Star game. He's on the ballot, and the fact he's on the ballot is like a laughing stock. But that's his good night to episode 150 of Amazing Mature Mets Podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me producing the show. Nelson Figueroa will be back on Monday. And you can subscribe to Amazing Mature on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Watch all episodes in full and all clips there. Find that Amazing But True playlist. Follow that playlist. Give us a thumbs up below. Comment below. Mets just swept the freaking Phillies. And how do you feel now? You know, do you agree Vogelback should be cut? Let us know in the comments what should the Mets do with the roster moves, and are you in better spirits, or did the Mets just beat a bad team? Follow us on Twitter, at Amazing But True, at Andrew Hartz. Follow me at Jake Brown Radio. 11 years ago today, I forget a lot of things, but I remember this. It was June 1st, 2012, and I remember a lot of people were like, nah, I can't go, or I don't want to go, and I was like, I have to go. Uh, it was Carlos Beltran's, you know, return to City Field, had to see Beltron, one of my favorite players, hopefully be on the show at some point soon, working on getting him on the podcast. But, you know, he was a big story in that game because he had the hit that would have been a hit if it was in today's game and that was reviewed. That was a fair ball. They call it foul, and the rest is history. Johan Santana throws a no-hitter. Mike Baxter makes the incredible catch, gets hurt, going up against the wall in left field. And I remember it was a windy night. I remember I was in the Pepsi porch before it was called the Coke Corner, and it was all like camp kids around me, and I was with my good friend Luke screaming like little schoolgirls. And meanwhile, there were schoolgirls and and guys around us looking at us like, who are these two knuckleheads screaming? I'm like, you dumb kids, you're about to witness something I've been waiting my whole life for. And like when it happens, they still had no idea. I think they were just cheering because it was a win. They think about this scene, like one of the biggest meth fans on the planet, me around hundreds and hundreds of kids in the Pepsi porch with my one other lunatic Mets friend celebrating something that's never happened. And at that point, what was it? 62, 72, 82, 92, 2002, 50 years of the franchise. It finally happened. We're there and we're around kids who have no idea what they're witnessing. It was just a hilarious place to be in a scene. Today's Jake, you won't find him that far away from the field level or bust, but like that was the prime fanhood and hearts. You were working uh, MLB met social media team at the time. And I gave you the fan angle and how cool that was. And I, I got emotional taking pictures after went behind the dugout after saw the no hitter last year too. I'd been so mad if I missed that. So I saw both no hitters. That was the combined one still counts, but not as cool as the Johan no hitter. Just remember him dealing and just, throwing a ton of pitches to the point where today that probably doesn't happen because he would have got pulled. Terry had no choice. You had to keep him in there. I think it was like 136 pitches or something. And obviously we know the story after that. He wasn't the same pitcher. You know, some blame that start and all those pitches for that, but you, you'll never know. But what a magical night at City Field against the Cardinals and that no-hitter. What was your experience, quick, before we close out the episode, you know, being on the field, post-game, pre-game, all that? 
honestly, it, it was one of those just weird nights. Like you said, it was it was cold. It was a little damp, a little uh, misty in the air. So the weather wasn't great. The stadium wasn't packed. And um, I had only been on the Mets, you know, on beat, if you will, for Major League Baseball at the time doing their social media stuff um, for a couple of months. And I remember just as it's going on and you see the Mike Baxter catch and I was standing in the 200 level, um, you know, watching that happen, watching that that play happen. And I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting play. There's always one. So, you know, whenever I go to a baseball game and, and I'm watching it and there's a no hitter happening, it's like the fifth or sixth inning and a play like that happens. You go, remember that play because that could mean something. And I just remember being in the press box. It's the eighth inning. And this is when the great Shannon Ford uh, was still with us, who worked in Mets media relations and just an absolute amazing person. She took care of me. But as you can tell, or, or as, as, as you can imagine, there were a lot of security measures being taken because they didn't want people running on the field and ruining, you know, what could be the first ever no hitter. And so I just remember standing in the position right before you go on the field, making sure I'm like, hey, am I OK to go on the field and get photos and videos and blah, blah, blah. She took care of me. She was amazing. I was standing next to Kevin Burkhart because, you know, that's usually where we stood to wait before the game was over and we go on the field. And as soon as that pitch was thrown, his 134th, I think it was, the gates opened, the stadium went electric, and I just ran on the field uh, along with Kevin and along with the rest of the security team. I'm taking videos and pictures, and there's a good chance if you were following the Mets in 2012 while this was happening, you probably saw some of my footage and content pop up there, but it was one of those things, man, where I'm just standing on the field as a big baseball fan, regardless of who I root for or whatnot, a big baseball fan, and just took in the sight because you're standing, I was standing a foot away from just everyone hopping up and down. And I, I just have an everlasting memory of watching Johan Santana just hugging every single guy he could see while smooth is blasting by Santana in the stadium. And after it was all over, you know, he goes off, he does the whole press thing. I remember standing in the dugout with Shannon next to me, uh, along with Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon, and they uh, gave him a bottle of champagne and they were just very, very proud of him. And then being in the clubhouse afterwards, as everyone, he goes and he goes, believe it, you got to believe it. And everyone just going nuts and just walking with Johan from the Mets clubhouse after he celebrated with his teammates into the press conference room, just taking that walk behind him and he would get stopped. Uh, you know, he hit Ron Darling on the way, Gary, and just people just kept hugging him. And you can tell that again, I know, you know, unfortunately the Beltran non hit hit did happen, but everyone celebrated and it, it was the true no hitter. It was the true first no hitter. And to be that close to it and just to see everything in real time, it, 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 it's a very, very special, special day. And um, unfortunately, you know, Hanson Tanner was never the same after, but I tell you right now, if you ask him today, I guarantee you, he says, I do the same thing every single time, no matter what, because that's how much that game, that's how much this team, that's how much these fans meant to him. And truly, it, it couldn't have happened for a more special guy on a more special night, because that's the most messed thing. It just happened on a random Friday night against the Cardinals. And, um, you know, history would finally happen in Queens. Yeah, June 1st, and it was 134 pitches. And remember, he had five walks that night, so he was laboring through that game. And like you said, was not a packed house. I'm looking now, it's 27,069 fans. Meanwhile, on Howie Rose bobblehead night last night, there were 39,600 plus. I mean, it was 98% full. This is 64% full on that Friday night. And what a night. 
it was. And think, I was 21 years old then. So it was my first year of legal drinking. I'm sure there were some legal drinks consumed after that victory. Uh, not around the uh, the camp kids who were, you know, who were there surrounding us. But what a special night in Queens. And, you know, Mets fans, you should have hope. Because at that time, on that terrible team, the Mets were 29 and 23. So while this team is just 30 and 27 and has battled some ups and downs, more downs than ups so far, if that team could go 20, 29 and 23 with a lineup of Baxter, Neuenheis, Wright, Duda, Murphy, Ike Davis, Josh Tolley, Omar Quintanilla, and Johan Santana, this Mets team could go on a special run. That team was not good, and at this point in the season, we're good. So it's hard to really put a gauge on a team on June 1st because you thought that team might have been good with that bad roster, and they ended up not being. So you got to believe and what a special night it was 12 years ago. What a special episode of Amazing But True. And an extra long one because you get 40 minutes of no Jake next two Mondays. So it'll be Figgy taking over with hearts and a guest co-host. Stay tuned for who that will be. And everyone, I hope you have a great weekend. Hopefully I come back next Thursday night's episode a little tanner than I am now. But for Andrew Hearts, I'm Jake Brown. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy Figgy on Monday. Go beat the Blue Jays. Keep the good vibes rolling. And we'll close it like we always do with Let's Go Mets.